Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee. This is the Autosport Podcast. Formula One was back after its summer break. What do you mean, no break? Well, Max Verstappen smashed his Ferrari rival Charles Leclerc's qualifying practice run by 0.9 seconds, almost, to top free practice two ahead of the Belgian Grand Prix. He had the comfortable upper hand ahead of the first round after the summer break as he was the only driver to break into the 1 minute 45s in the lap times. Verstappen came to the fore in the middle section of second part of qualifying, um, a second part of practice when they do the quali sims. And on the podcast today is Autosport.com's editor, Hayden Cobb, to talk to us about uh, practice today and a few other bits and bobs that have been happening in Formula 1. There's just been a, a little bit of news flying around uh, this week. We were saying before we started recording, it's been the summer break, but neither of us booked holiday. So it still feels like, oh, OK, business is normal then, except Formula 1's on, which is a good thing. Yeah, what what break? Who needs a break now? I've been looking forward to this. These are the days we live for. So yeah, it's been a it's been an exciting few days in in, in fairness, uh, and and nice to have a fun cars on track again. 
You were back on Autosport Live this morning, well, this afternoon, actually, um, with the live text. Uh, a quick few thoughts on Free Practice 1, seeing the cars back on track. And, of course, we do get the list as well. Uh, the teams have to supply the list of updates. So it was our first chance to get a, a bit of a look on some of the teams that have bought bigger packages. Some haven't as well. But your thoughts on uh, when we saw the cars roll out just after lunchtime today? Yeah, incredibly busy day, as is normally the case, particularly with the just after the summer break. Lots of teams rolling out upgrades. Uh, Mercedes tried out a new floor on, on Russell's car. Uh, McLaren have got a, a, a few rafts of upgrades in there, here and there. And everyone's got sort of the, the, the less draggy rear wings to try to find that compromise of the high speeds of, of Spa, but also with the twisty sections, um, which, which is a good sort of challenge that, that Spa provides a bit of both. Uh, but yeah, incredib- incredibly busy on track, even with a red flag that was triggered by uh, Kevin Magnussen stopping with an electrical issue. Uh, midway through FP1, um, which the team sorted for the, the second session, so he's all okay. But um, yes, it was a day basically with a big asterisk next to it, because as you said at the top of the uh, show there, that Verstappen led the times, but uh, he, as well as the clerk and a couple of others, have got uh, grid penalties for this, this weekend, and they'll be starting at the back, although there's so many of them that whoever starts at the front of the back will actually be about midfield, so... <laughs> The yeah. front of the back. I'm going to use that on the Sunday podcast when I'm, when I'm back on. <laughs> um, so Charles Leclerc, we found out before free practice one, uh, was going to start uh, from the back of the grid after Ferrari opting to take a new power unit for the weekend. Whereas Red Bull, when I think we asked Max yesterday, maybe it was, about the possibilities, they were a bit more vague. And even at the start of FP1, they were still not letting on how much they were going to change. Um, but now we know they'll both be um, at the back of the grid at a race where overtaking is possible and very possible and so it's going to be fascinating to watch our two title protagonists going head to head right at the back who can fight their way forward the quickest will they follow each other through the pack that's another question as well who'll get ahead uh, are you looking forward to sunday i am yeah definitely and i think that's a an unusual factor but it does when it does seem to come up it, it creates a very unique and an intriguing element to it as you say yeah the it looks like on the practice times that uh, Verstappen and Leclerc look to be the, the fastest two uh, so far this weekend. Uh, our colleague Matt Q is currently cr- literally quite, uh, sorry, literally crunching the numbers as, as we speak in terms of the Friday practice runs. Um, so they will be the ones to watch from, from their starting positions further back. But of course, you've got um, already confirmed for back of the grid penalties along with those two will be Lando Norris, Esteban Ocon, Valtteri Bottas, and Mick Schumacher, who at the moment it looks like it'll be back of the grid. He's not going to take the full whack, but it will probably be subject to if he qualifies high enough to be a bit further ahead, if that makes sense. So I think he's got currently 10 places due, but obviously on that maths, he needs to be inside the top 10 to, to, to negate that. So if he isn't, they'll just take the full whack and then he'll join he'll join that, uh, that grouping at the back. So six drivers... Your back four, yeah, sorry, your back three rows will be all grid penalty decided. So um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be worth a watch on Sunday, whatever happens. And the order of the starting grid is going to be an interesting one to try and work out because, as you say, it depends on how qualifying goes tomorrow. I wonder how quickly the TV coverage after Q3 tomorrow that we'll actually get. We should get it pretty quickly. We should get like the final starting order. They should. It's a technological enough sport to crunch the numbers quickly, right? Oh, immediately. The, so the rule change has slightly, has slightly changed for in recent times that 
it'll be if you've got the same number of grid drop number like penalty grid drop slots if that makes sense at all i if you take a full bit and say it's 20 and then your rival has also has 20 basically whoever sets the fastest time in qualifying between you two starts ahead now obviously that gets a bit complicated if say five of these drivers all have the same amount of grid penalties but then it's pretty much like a a mini qualifying within their own qualifying they all know they're going to the back but if Verstappen can put a time that's quicker than the others that have grid penalties his equal amount of grid penalties then he starts ahead of them but obviously if someone like Schumacher has fewer he starts ahead of all of them it's yeah it it will be fine we'll figure it out very quickly i'm i'm sure by the the the, the chaps on the saturday podcast they will they will know immediately and we absolutely fine but um <laughs> yeah it's going to be a shaken up grid regardless of of the outcome of of qualifying so yeah one one to look forward to final fp2 results max verstappen as i mentioned eight and a half tenths almost nine tenths ahead of charles Leclerc's ferrari lando norris in third why is, was Lance Stroll in the Aston Martin up in fourth? Was that new parts? Was it glory run? What's that all about? Um, to be honest, it's probably a combination of a few. Of He, he was likely to be running a little, little bit lighter on fuel. They have got a few new parts as well that uh, Stroll has been using and, and Vettel hasn't got for this, this weekend. Um, so they, they could be doing the business and others will probably be running their own programmes, which sort of in general skews the the Friday look of it it wasn't a traditional uh Friday run there was rain as well that that curtailed a fair few of the the runs in, in both sessions to be fair so it's not to knock Lance Stroll's position as fourth as the fourth fastest car there and and as you say like if if that stays the case he will be on pole position because the three ahead of him <laughs> all have grid penalties yeah. so uh, it seems unlikely at this stage, but um, it looks like the Aston Martin has, has improved as a package uh, for this weekend. Sebastian Vettel, 15th, though, uh, about two and a half seconds down. In fifth, Carlos Sainz in the second Ferrari. In sixth, Lewis Hamilton in the first of the Mercedes, uh, 1.3 seconds down on Max's time. And then Fernando Alonso splitting the difference between the two Mercs. Uh, so Lewis Fernando, then George Russell in Eighth. What do you make of the upgrades that Mercedes have bought to this race? Looking like they're getting there or thereabouts. They obviously have a, a wonderful opportunity, as we mentioned about these grid penalties, in terms of potentially even getting that first win of the season because Verstappen and Leclerc are coming from the back, which naturally will put them higher. And if they qualify roughly where they've, they've been in recent races, they'll be on the sort of the front row, front two rows, and, and with that opportunity ahead of them. The car looks looks strong. The the upgrades appear to be working. Again, it's very very early days to to sort of make a fair judgment on that. But you would say it was they should be happy with it. Speaking immediately after the um, Friday practice, both were quietly confident. Um, but Hamilton did sort of again give a bit of a bluffing, saying he he, he thought the Mercedes were still a long a long way off uh, in terms of the the outright pace of your Verstappen's and and the clerks um, that we saw today. But he, the, the, the thing with this car that's been mentioned many times on this podcast and, and cut through is it's, it's a tricky one to get a handle on. But if Mercedes sort of knuckle it down and get it into a window where they want it, like we saw at Hungary uh, in particular, it can be very, very quick and compete against the Red Bulls and Ferrari. So it, I'd say that they are, due to a number of factors, well in the fight there. 
if things go their way, get a bit of luck, who knows? That yeah, could definitely get a first win of the season. But like I say, they need a few things to go their way in in the fight at the front, and it's very hard to predict that right now. Autosports F1 reporter Luke Smith on the Sunday Night Podcasts throughout the year, when I've ever, whenever I've asked him, has said this year Mercedes will get a win. And just before the summer break, I checked in with him again on the Sunday podcast and said, you're still sticking by that? I think it maybe it was in the halftime uh, podcast we put out this week. He went, yep, sticking by it. He said, they're going to win. They, Mercedes will win one, at least one this year. So, and, and, you know, he's convinced of it. Lewis Hamilton did say earlier in the weekend uh, that he, he feels like he's got his race car back. And then he sort of dialed back the enthusiasm a little bit. Oh, they're all poker players, really, um, aren't they? Uh, Daniel <laughs> yeah. Ricciardo in ninth. Sergio Perez. Checo down in tenth in the Red Bull. But hey, it's practice still. First of the Williams with Alex Albon in eleventh. And uh, Zhou Guanyu in the Alpha in twelfth. So we've mentioned a few names there that sort of spin off into other various little subplots and sub-stories. First of all, uh, we'll talk about Charles Leclerc and Max and the title battle. Um, we had a story on Autosport.com this week where Charles Leclerc was saying that closing the gap is going to be, you know, very difficult. Not impossible, he was saying. But what's what's Leclerc this week been saying about that title battle? He he knows it's a long shot. He doesn't want to give it up. He feels like he's done a bit of a mental reset over the the summer break, which I think. Think he needed after, particularly after that mistake in uh, in France when he was leading and, and, and crashed. But um, he knows that the only way to get back properly in the title fight is he he needs Verstappen to to basically mess up a couple of races. I probably ideally for for his championship hopes, and he then needs to be pretty much perfect from here on out. Eighty points over nine races. Yeah, you don't need to do the maths to know that that is a considerable gap on average that he needs to to close. I mean, mathematically, Verstappen can finish second in every race for the rest of this year and Leclerc win, and he still wins the title. So, yeah, it's it's a big ask. They're, they're not giving up on it. Of, of course, they'll be still at this stage of the year. But, yeah, it's, it's still going to be very, very tough for him to get that, that title fight up and running. Sort of to any point of, of, of a competition, it feels a bit of a stretch at the moment. Now, we mentioned Aston Martin and Alpine and Fernando Alonso. And in the press conference where we get to ask the drivers questions, uh, the media stuff will move back to Thursday, by the way, in case um, uh, listeners are interested in the sort of behind-the-scenes workings of an F1 weekend. And uh, they compressed it all very much into Friday morning. Uh, And I think the feedback from... It was to try and save workload on teams and things like that but in effect people were still turning up at the circuit on Thursday the workload was the same uh, the drivers would tell us something on a Friday morning and before we'd had a chance to write about it or you know you, you could follow that on your social media accounts or, or you know whatever just fans of Formula One then they would uh, you know they'd get in the car and then do something else and you think well there's very little point interviewing them on Friday morning so a lot of stuff on Thursday and obviously a lot of interest around um, Fernando Alonso. Lots of questions about how the move to Aston came about, what happened in the background. Uh, if our listeners haven't quite been following autosport.com as closely as normal over the last couple of days, what's Fernando been saying about his move? So, yeah, he gave the his side of the story, as it were, um, because it did create a bit of drama, a bit of spice that, that few days straight after the Hungarian Grand Prix when his move to Aston was announced. He he admitted or sort of made the revelation that, yeah, he told basically the people he he felt needed to know uh, for, at Alpine in terms of uh, Luca Di Maio, 
and and the, the the bosses at Alpine as well as his engineers and, and generally his team. But interestingly, he he sort of did an outline so that he said he didn't tell Otmar Zafnau, who was the caught in the middle uh, guy in this situation, um, because he was the one that admitted that he only found out basically that Alonso was leaving through Aston Martin's own press release, which is is not a way you want to find out that you've lost a driver at all. So yeah, he gave it that and and was was saying giving a bit of detail to his reasoning behind it um, that we hadn't heard before, which was basically what he didn't feel probably wanted or, or as much love from from Alpine as, as he was wanting, and Aston Martin were giving it or said to give it in, in abundance. There had been obviously a long time that the the contract talks had been dragged out really with between him and Alpine over the last few months. He was was ready to sign and ready to to keep with the team for long term and wanted a long term deal. But Alpine dragged their feet a bit. We're only offering him a year by year deal, partly due to his age, which Aston Martin felt was was not 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 of a concern to them. Um, and, and I think that's the yeah that the crux of it, it was. So probably earned or probably offered it a considerable amount of money to make the Aston Martin switch. Saw the project, the project is growing, that they're, they're developing the team, uh, developing the infrastructure. There's a lot going on there. And it was an opportunity that obviously opened up because Sebastian Vettel was decided to retire from Formula 1 at the end of this season. So things aligned uh, for, for Alonso to go, can I join your team? And uh, Aston Martin were like, please join our team. And there you go. They did it very, very quickly. And and sort of gave Alpine no no chance to to move, but mostly because they they'd already had a fair few weeks and months to to sign up Alonso if if they were desperate for him. The complicated, obviously, bit that adds into this, um, which are separate but connected um, elements to it, is the Oscar Piastri conundrum. Of course, whereby Alpine is their uh, return or response to Alonso leaving was like, right, we're going to promote. Oscar Piastri to the the race seat alongside Esteban Ocon at the team for next season. Uh, he's their contracted driver. He had the option on them. Their, their original plan was to keep Alonso and, and put uh, Piastri at Williams, but uh, that clearly didn't sit well with with Piastri and and his management team led by my Mark Webber. And so they sort of had a conversation with McLaren, who who have earlier this week uh, officially announced they will part ways with Daniel Ricciardo at the end of the year. Um, so that opens up a spot there. And right now, we, we're not sure who Oscar Piastri is driving for next year. It will either be Alpine or McLaren, but it's at present going to the F1 Contracts Recognition Board, uh, which has been a thing for a while and come up a few times, but we've not really seen it in the F1 spotlight for, for a while because this situation hasn't, hasn't come up. Normally, contracts are very well looked after and smart, but it is basically a, I've said this, no, I and from Alpine's point of view, and and McLaren have said no, but we've got this in place, and it's up to an independent board to go look at the fine details, look at the what contracts have been signed, what information is in place, and go, this is the right one, this is the correct one, this is the legal one. Um, it's difficult to know which way it will go. The the hearing we believe is is early next week, potentially Monday, uh, so therefore we probably will get an answer one way or another, very, very soon after this weekend. But um, yeah, I, at the moment, it's it's difficult to edge your bets. If I, was a, if I was a betting man and looking at body language and what's been said in the media by, by both sides, it feels like McLaren potentially does have the case for Oscar Priastri and has that situation in it. But 
that's purely on, like I said, body language comments. There is no, mm. no insight I can give beyond that. But um, yes, it will be one that will be decided soon. And then that's the next step of the uh, driver market to, to sort out where Piastri goes. And then indeed, which, whether it's McLaren or, or Alpine, how do they fi- fill their hole that is vacated by uh, one Australian or the other, whether it's Pim Ricardo or Piastri. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It'll, uh, it'll need filling by one team. Yeah, there's so many talking points in here that I find really fascinating. Um, that the whole deal with um, with Alonso was done over the course of a weekend, and there were no talks at all before Vettel announced his retirement, and that the team would happily have kept Vettel for another year, and it was his decision to leave. And it was only once he he did that that it started off the chain of events. So it's amazing how quickly it can happen, I guess, when you've got someone like Alonso who knows his mind and knows what to do, uh, and you've got someone like uh, Lawrence Stroll who is clearly very successful in business and runs the, you know owns the team and can make that decision incredibly quickly. Um, also, I thought what was what was very interesting. I pointed this out to uh, the guys on the half term podcast looking at the winners and losers of f1 so far was that the last time there was a big contract dispute that went uh to the recognition board was jensen button back in 2004 with bar and williams and at that time bar won their fight with williams for jensen button to drive with them for the the following season when he went to the went to the crb and who was obviously David Richards was head of BAR, but who was, I think, I think head of Honda Motorsport or something like that, winning that dispute. A certain gentleman called Otmar. So he is... <laughs> He's been here before. <laughs> no stranger to the workings of, of Formula One. Um, let me get your opinion on this, because it is just an, an opinion, and I think it's interesting because our listeners will have an opinion, um, and it's good to get your opinion as, as well. Alex Kalinorkis, our Grand Prix editor, thinks that if Alpine lose Alonso and lose Piastri in the stroke of one weekend, that there needs to be some form of, or not fall guy, but almost some sort of management change there to recognise, look, this has been a really serious failing in the team. Do you think it requires that level of, you know, someone's head on the chopping block? What do you think? Because it is like losing two drivers is, well, unfortunate yeah, at best. It is it's a fair point, and, and that is normally what happens in these situations. If somebody really messes up like this in a big way, because they would have known contracts and, and dates and clauses that would have come up, um, and they would have been obviously kept private, but they would have known them and, and should know them off by heart in terms of timings. Um, but if if someone's let that slide and yeah the the sort of contract clause in in Os Piastri's expired and then the next day he basically jumped ship to McLaren at the same time that Alonso jumped ship at, and went to Aston Martin, that's a pretty big error to make without any sort of comeuppance. But obviously how that shakes out and, and who the blame goes on is as I guess is who's looking after these negotiations now. Oh, you're sitting on the fence now, aren't but you? But I am. But, well, look, but the but problem I... is, uh, Alonso said, that, so basically the full guy would appear 
to be Otmar Zafnau. But Alonso, at least taking him at his word, said that he wasn't part of these negotiations. So... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Therefore, you wouldn't think it would be Otmar. Now, I believe his, I think his job title at Alpine is team principal. A quick plug for one of our other podcasts, the GP Racing podcast. It's called Flat Chat, and uh, it's with GP Racing as our our monthly magazine, our monthly glossy magazine, by the way. Excellent subscription. Highly recommend it. Uh, Stuart Codling, our editor of that magazine. Codders, along with Matt Q and Mark Gallagher. On this month's edition, and you can find it on your podcast player, just search Flat Chat. Um, uh, Mark Gallagher, has, uh, who's been around Formula One for a long, long time, made a note on that show um, pre-Alonso's interview about uh, who he told and when he told, about how the role of team principal isn't what it was. And he, you know, he looks at the longest standing heads of Formula One teams and looks at people like Christian Horner, uh, but also Toto Wolff, who chooses to not sit on the pit wall but sit in the garage. But also Toto is different. He is a shareholder in the team, whereas, mm. okay, Christian Horner, we don't think is a shareholder in Red Bull Racing, but has been there so long, he's got autonomy to do what he, he's bought them huge success. He's earned that that autonomy. But that role of team principal, the, the traditional role of the person that, that will know everything, do every, you know, at the very top of the pyramid. It's all sort of shaking out in Formula One a little bit differently in this modern era of, uh, you know, uh, CEOs and heads of this department. And the actual role team principal is a bit diminished in some teams. And, and again, that's I find that an interesting subplot um, that perhaps he wasn't, that the team principal of Alpine perhaps wasn't doing the negotiations with the drivers of Alpine. Uh, but anyway, I'm sure all will out in the fullness of time. And then, you know, uh, we w- will talk about Daniel Ricciardo, I'm sure, more when we find out where he'll be driving, if at all, next season, and how the Oscar Piastri thing um, falls in. But uh, just from our coverage over the last couple of days with Daniel Ricciardo back in the paddock and talking to the journalists, um, how's he been and what's Danny Rick been saying? Naturally, I think he's he's taken a hit on his pride. He was he was desperate to make this McLaren move work, basically because he put he put a fair bit of his reputation on the line when he typically jumped ship from Alpine when it was then known as as Renault um, to to join McLaren, seeing as the progress and development was there. And well, whereas the progress has been there or thereabouts, he has really struggled and. And they, by the from what both sides are saying, they've they've basically tried everything. They turned the car upside down. They've tried everything they possibly could to find that sweet spot for him, and it just hasn't hasn't happened. Not to mention the team have been courting and keeping an eye on many young, exciting talents coming through. Not just Oscar Piastri. Uh, you only need to sort of look to their IndyCar outlets uh, and to see what they've been up to there with people like Alex Pillow and uh, Pato Award. They're, they're they're testing plenty of young drivers, so the pressure was on and. Yeah, I think, like I say, t- hit it to his pride, but he's sort of swallowed up and gone, right, I'll uh, I'll, I'll gleefully take the 20-plus million uh, payoff deal uh, that, that comes with it for taking for leaving his contract early as a as a mutual agreement. And, and he said he, 
he has naturally had quite a uh, few chats with other teams that still need to sort out their driver lines for 2023. He's absolutely adamant he wants to stay in F1. And if it's not F1, it could be a sabbatical year. Uh, we know sort of the, the, the dangers or the opportunities that can come with, with, with that in itself. But um, one of the options, as we sort of title up, is indeed potentially Alpine if they do lose Piastri. And he sort of said it, it's an option that he's considering if, if the team... Uh, if it will work for both of them, basically, mm. if both are happy, that's that a bit of bad blood that when he he left, not not too bad, but um, I mean, it's it, ironically talking about team principal that the former team principal Cyril Butterball said that he he thought and he hoped that Ricardo would live to regret his move away from from the team, and uh, well. It, Maybe he will, but the, uh, Cyril's not even there anymore. So exactly. Fresh starts could could be there. There's other teams that he could also move to. Um, the the Alfa Romeo team are yet to to <laughs> get onto them in a sec, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, yet to sort of finalise their driver lineup for next year. The same can be said for Haas. The same can be said for Williams, as well as Alpine. So that there are opportunities there, and and let's not forget he is a eight-time Grand Prix winner. He he took on four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel at Red Bull in a fair fight and, and won it in, in that sort of, his, I guess you could say, glory period currently. So he has the talent, he has the ability. I think he he needs a bit of love, needs a bit of self-confidence restalling and, and wherever he can find that, that's what he's probably going to look for because it's, it's probably not going to come down to money for him at the mm. moment. He, he wants a bit of confidence, wants to say, look, I'm still the driver that I was. I want to prove myself, and uh, yeah, wherever that may be is is going to be find out soon. It's funny you mention a sabbatical. Actually, I hadn't I hadn't really thought about the connection with Kimi Raikkonen, who of course was paid by Ferrari. I, obviously, his year out in 2010, but I'd kind of forgotten. I you know you think oh yeah, Kimi had his year out in 2010 and came back uh, to uh, to Lotus and was still really sharp. Um, but then he was he had a contract with. Ferrari for that 2010 season and so you know he had a very nice year sitting there on Ferrari money um uh, but what was that 12 years ago and Kimmy's probably about what 41 42 now so yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it was similar was, sort of situation I guess you could say so ish I mean, sort of 30 ish years old so you can take time out and come back yeah, no. that's exactly. It, it it will be interesting. And, and obviously, Lotus at the time, and this proves how much team names don't really mean a lot sometimes, is that's Team Enstone. That is yes. Alpine as present. So, yeah, you could easily see history repeating itself in, in that Raikkonen situation. But, yeah, it will be interesting to see what, what he weighs up and, and how it goes. Obviously, the like we said, the first bit of the uh, uh, sequence that we're waiting to get sorted is where Piastri ends up because then that will take either, it will either open up an option or, or deny Ricardo one and um, go from there, really. On the TV coverage, Gunter Steiner was dropping into the Sky Sports F1 coverage and they went straight in. Uh, very heavy tackle, both feet, I thought. They said, Gunter, welcome <laughs> welcome to the show. Have you signed Daniel Ricardo? First question. Um, but hey, why not? Because you know that if you put that to Gunter, um, he is he would appreciate a straight question, give you a straight answer. Um, and he said, at least on the TV coverage, um, no, we haven't signed Daniel Ricardo. Um, and he said, but we have a seat next year. That's not... Uh, that's a secret, we, not a secret, we haven't decided yet, um, uh, our second seat in the Huss team. Um, and also, he said, look, give the guy the weekend, but I'd happily speak to him next week. So I think it's a very straight answer. Um, so what do you think, Ricardo, to Haas, how would that look for you? 
it certainly is an opportunity. Has to have through a little bit of their own work, but through a little bit of just circumstances around them, become into a very sort of strong situation. Obviously, they've had a, a decent recovery, got a decent car. They brought Kevin Magnussen in when they had to um, get rid of Nikita Tamazepin. And yes, now, now they find themselves of, we've got Mick Schumacher, we've got the, the ties, but they've got the call on that seat. They, they're adamant that it's not Ferrari influence, therefore it doesn't definitely have to be Schumacher or, or Ferrari-affiliated driver. Ricardo's obviously just become available. Um, so they have they have a few options. Uh, Steiner, yeah, to add into his quotes, like he said he, he's adamant um, it, he doesn't want it to be a rookie. Um, to be honest, there aren't probably too many options that would fit that for, for how, how to look for mm. at present. But but that basically rules out one element. And and therefore, Ricardo is an experienced hand, um, obviously is a former race winner, You'd feel like a yeah, a Magnuson Ricciardo combination is is a pretty strong strong lineup. Um, but again, this depends of of what they they sort of want from Schumacher. Do they do they see him kicking on if indeed they can keep him, mm. or or does does Schumacher also make a move in this sort of merry-go-round? Because uh, obviously he's got a couple of years now in F in F one, so decent, yeah grounding let's say he's done his his sort of rookie operation and now it's his time to sort of make the step on does does that happen at Haas does he does he see the move coming does or does another team think yeah he's our guy like yeah this 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 whole dynamic has has opened up massively that was sort of yeah you'd said this this time last month (laughs) uh which was indeed uh basically yeah the, the, the Hungarian Grand Prix so Alonso hadn't even made his bombshell yet um, yeah, you, you, it's it's all come about very out of the blue, but um, that's that's what we love. We love this drama and this, yeah, this bit of soap opera, you could say. Um, but yeah, it'd be fascinating to see where it goes. Um, and that's just the driver market, not not even talking about teams and how they may look different. In, oh my goodness, in a few years to come. let's get on to that. If only Sebastian Vettel had thought, "Oh God, I'll give it one more year." Uh, next year, we would have probably seen Oscar Piastri uh, alongside Alex Albon in the two Williams because of the funding at the team and the ownership. Now they don't need necessarily the funding from Nicholas Latifi, so he won't be in the car uh, next year. That would have been a great, great driver pairing. I'd have loved to have seen that, but hey-ho. Time, yeah. So just to keep you really busy uh, on the day that Formula One comes back, uh, Audi decided to drop a nice little bombshell on... Well, we, we kind of knew it was coming, so it's nice to get the confirmation, but it's certainly made for a be- very busy Friday uh, for you and all of our autosport.com colleagues. So Audi developing a separate Formula One engine themselves away from Porsche, who we believe not confirmed, but will be buying in 50-50 with Red Bull powertrains. Let's talk Audi for now, though. What's the news about Audi coming to Formula One? Yeah, so one of the the worst kept secrets in in F1, I think as the cliche goes, along with the Porsche news that is is to come at some point soon, is Audi were looking at, yeah, making the the break into F1. They... It's been interesting, Dominic, because obviously they're both owned by the, the VW group, uh, Audi and, and Porsche. So there's there's that obvious link of why um, spread your, your wares into different baskets. But Audi, in their own right, a massive brand, massive manufacturer, had, had massive success in, in other racing series and, and have the facilities and the infrastructure and the resources to, to put their own F1 operation together. And, and yeah, they've... They there was the belief that that would be the the sort of second of the big 
German brands to to come in, but they've 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 got their everything together because of the sign off for the 2026 F1 engine rules changing uh, or, or meeting the the requirements of what what both needed, and that they're, they're in. They they will be producing their own uh, power unit from from 2026. They haven't officially signed up with with a team. Uh, they will just be supplying an engine. They will not be sort of creating their own team, as it were. Um, all indications point that to being that that being the Sauber operation to to the point on the same day of this announcement uh, that Alfa Romeo confirmed that their partnership and their title sponsorship of the Sauber team will finish at the end of 2023. So that basically means Sauber need a partner uh, from from 24 ideally, but but certainly there's a big one coming in from from 26 with an engine. It sort of all suits them quite nicely down to ground. That's where they're, they're looking. So, yes, it's a bit Audi coming in with their own engine. It's all very, very exciting. They've, they've, they've weighed up possibilities. Yeah, they've got what they want. They have the lead time now. And and they have a, a little bit of history in terms of the the feasibility studies that were done previously, the the behind-the-scenes uh, bench testing of, of engines of previous generations of Formula 1. Uh, and, and these... Um, viability studies were in fact led by who would you guess it Stefano Domenicali in his previous roles (laughs) and now he is F1's head honcho so it it all sort of married conveniently um but to be fair they've they've made their own decisions and 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 come to conclusion this is the right time for them to to move into to Formula One so yes it'll be very exciting um and we wait with bated breath of of the Sauber announcement, I guess the details of how that will come out, because as I said earlier, Sauber, Sauber will now be without a, a title sponsor and a partnership for, for from 2024. So there's a couple of two years gap of how that looks and do Audi sort of fill the gap, but not have mm. their engines in. How does that work with then? Do they take, does it basically become a Audi sponsored Sauber team with Ferrari engines? Not sure how that would, would work out, but, um, the details will be will be nestled out, and that's probably why the sort of the delay is. They need to finalise these details to figure out of, of, of exactly who's coming in and when and how that will connect together. But yes, incredibly exciting to have Audi and F1. It's, it's, it's what we wanted for a long time. More manufacturers, more competition. Yeah, Total Ball's already said he's 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 relishing the competition, but he knows mm. that it's going to become stiffer with the likes the powerhouses of of Audi and Porsche joining joining in the in the ranks. And funnily enough, starting in 2026 is you know the blink of an eye in Formula One terms. Look how early Mercedes started working on the uh, the the current era um, regulations, um, and that led to their domination. But that's how they lured Lewis Hamilton away from McLaren by showing him how early they'd started and got a head start on everyone. So really. That the next couple of years are going to utterly fly by. few interesting subplots in this that I thought was interesting. Um, there's a really good interview that uh, Ted Kravitz from Sky did with Christian Horner in his garden um, over the, I think it was over the, the F1 break at least. And they go into quite a lot of detail on Red Bull powertrains there. Now, obviously, I'd, I'd known that they were growing that and had made some really high-profile hires from particular uh, Mercedes and, and the high-performance powertrains at, at Mercedes. Uh, but actually going into a lot of detail there about how they were building an engine business, um, which I, I found really insightful. And I think that'll be an easier deal for Porsche to come in and Red Bull have built a powertrain business and Porsche can come in and say, right, well, we'll have half of that or we'll brand it, you know, Porsche Red Bull or Red Bull Porsche, whatever. Really, really impressive for a soft drinks company 
to build an engine company. Massively impressive, whatever you think of you know Red Bull, whether you're a fan or not, or Christian. Um, but I think Audi have a harder job because they want to do it from scratch and you know and on their own. So and also a time when automotive is heading into electrification and even sport. I mean, look at FIA World Rallycross, top series of that is now gone, you know, fully electric and how, yeah, there's conversations around e-fuels or synthetic fuels and, but really automotive is going electric and how now is the time. And VW have led that. VW have led that more than Mercedes, more than BMW um, uh, as the established OEMs. Um, certainly way ahead of the likes of, of, you know, Ford's GMs and Toyotas of the world. And yet it's VW Group that are choosing to invest in what is at the minute a big combustion sport. But Formula One has a lot of soul searching to do in terms of, of its future and uh, carbon footprints and things like that. So it, it's going to be interesting how it all plays out. Again, so many subplots that, my goodness me, could make a whole podcast of their own but let's call it a day now for the friday pod um hayden thank you so much for joining us what can people look out for over the weekend on autosport.com uh yes this weekend as i mentioned uh, earlier in the pod uh Matt Q is currently crunching the numbers on the, the friday practice to to see who is really going to come out on top I just i've had a conversation with him whilst he's been working on it and um yes i think we've got an exciting race coming up where the likes of verstappen and leclerc fighting their way for, from the back of the pack and how can the front runners sort of escape uh is it a mercedes win possible so that that's very exciting um we've also got a look at our various autosport writers their favorite belgian Grand prix from across the year uh, years um obviously the future of the race is under question at the moment in terms of will it stay on the calendar for from next year but um it's a race that is a firm favorite it's got great history great sort of culture that's that's followed it over the years so one of the oldest races on the calendar as well so yeah that'll, that'll be an exciting little pick and oh wow all, all your greatest uh reaction from action and reaction from the paddock uh at spa francochamps for this weekend we are looking forward to it i'm off to go pack my bag for the classic at silverstone where i will be tomorrow so i'll ah, miss a bit that. Of coverage yeah i can't wait i'll be there with our chief editor kevin turner um uh making some co- podcasts about uh some classic stuff which will be very very interesting but uh, so i'll miss a bit of the live f1 coverage so i'll be looking forward to barreling home as quick as possible at uh, uh, and watching that on catch up make sure that you do join our post quality podcast tomorrow will be luke smith and matt q from the circuit or on their way probably on their way home or back at the hotel i imagine or the airbnb and then our man our grumpy editor alex kalanorkis on his holidays till monday uh, so i think we've got you lacing up your boots and coming off the bench for sunday yep. if that's, if that's all right i'm ready we, we've done a pre yeah pre-game fitness test here i, I hope i've passed and uh, yeah i'll rest <laughs> up for sunday and uh, yeah i'll be all ready mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Before you. Brilliant. We'll get you in the ice bath. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you soon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Most footwear brands overlook natural materials for cheaper synthetic alternatives. But when it comes to quality, Mother Nature knows best. Allbirds took that idea and ran to create their iconic wool runners. Wool runners are made with premium supernatural materials that are both comfy and durable. So you can run to the ends of the earth or just to the store. Plus, they're machine washable to stay looking as fresh as the first day you got them. The Wool Runner Upper is made with superfine ZQ certified merino wool that's breathable, temperature regulating, and moisture wicking. And the sugarcane-based sweet foam midsoles cushion your feet and put a little bounce in every stride with all-day support. Allbirds are constantly innovating to increase the performance and longevity of their materials. Even on your toughest outings, you'll wear out before your shoes do. This year, take a big step forward for Mother Nature with the Allbirds Wool Runner. Discover your perfect pair today at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.